You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today, we talk to Benji Josephiak, all about his love of running. Now, I loved talking to Benji, especially because he talked about how he uses running as a vehicle for change. This was really inspiring. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am delighted to introduce you all to Benji Oh, I didn't do it. Jo- jo- you- Joseph. Josephic. Jo- Josephiak, yeah. Josephiak. I even wrote it down so I would pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I- it's one of those tough Polish names. <laughs> English speaking people are terrible at pronouncing things that don't fit in. Well, it, it, yeah, when, when words don't have vowels, it, it makes it hard. <laughs> So Josephiak, there we go. Did I do it better? That's perfect. That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm delighted to talk to Benji because um, I haven't, I have seen Benji around, I believe, and we have lots of mutual running friends, but we haven't really had a conversation, just the two of us. So it's really nice to get to know you this way. It's kind of a fun way for me to, to break the ice and talk to people. <laughs> it's, kind of... it's good to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's um. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have a chat about, you know, something that, that I love and, and, and that you love and that, yeah, people can kind of, you know, uh, agree over in these crazy times. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right, Benji, let's start with where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, so I, I'm not from Tasmania. I um, was born on the mainland in um Westmead Hospital, actually. I was a neonatal intensive care. Yeah, in Sydney, yeah. Um, I was too small for Katoomba Hospital where my parents lived at the time. And so, um, yeah, my mum was rushed to Westmead and I um, was born in 1988 at Westmead Hospital. Um, Lived in uh, North Katoomba in the Blue Mountains Mm -hmm. for about six years, I think. And then we moved to Wollongong for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we moved to the Central Coast and I, I spent most of my childhood on the Central Coast and adolescence, yeah. So were you, so, were, nice, you nice were you a prem? Is that why you were small? I was six weeks prem. So, um, yeah, I, I was in the neonatal intensive care unit for, for quite a while, um, oh, wow. uh, underdeveloped. And, uh, and, yeah, my dad would get on the train every day to come and see me and um you know mum was obviously in hospital and yeah I spent a while there before they were able to even take me home so it was a precarious um, beginning you don't remember any of that though I'm assuming no no I'm my dad tells me stories about how I was the size of a rat (laughs) and um and yeah uh, I apparently Oh, well, I don't know how much detail you want me to get into, but <laughs> um, apparently my my experiment was quite um, acidic. So they used to squirt me with this blue stuff to prevent it from burning my skin. 
Oh, and wow. so, yeah, there you go. I um, I was toxic even to myself at a young age. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, they're, they're just the stories that I've heard. But, um, I mean, uh, my dad always wondered whether I might have any uh, lasting effects. And because um, uh, there was some talk of a heart murmur. Yeah. when I was little so um but yeah that's come of nothing I had an ECG recently and they said everything's fine so that's awesome yeah that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any siblings um I've got a sister uh she's two years older and she lives in Newcastle and she's a, a doctor in architecture which um wow. you know yeah she's got the brains of the family that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> better make sure she listens to this <laughs> 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 so whereabouts on the you said the central coast of yep. New South Wales whereabouts were you so, so we were in Wyoming which is uh just near Gosford about a oh, 15 minute drive from Gosford oh yeah and then um yeah yeah um so I spent like uh, I wasn't so close to the beach as a kid but I, I'd try and spend a, a lot of time at the beach and yeah but most of it um I mean I grew up uh, utterly obsessed with soccer so and I don't know where it came from because my dad didn't play you know my mum didn't play I was just obsessed with it like from a very early age yeah wow so I because you look a bit like a surfer dude to me yeah yeah um I, I get a lot I get all those kind of stereotypes um people <laughs> ask me if I, I <laughs> and people ask if I if I surf and I mean I, I've tried surfing I'm no good at it, but I love the beach. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I just um, I, I did spend a lot of time at the beach when I was, yeah, an adolescent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So mm. what happened with your soccer? So did you, you took that a long way? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I started at eight, I think. And then mm. um, I was, yeah, like I say, obsessed, um, particularly with like English soccer and stuff. So the whole... Um, Oh, my, my whole life was centered around, oh, I want to go to the UK. I just want to do whatever I can to get to the UK to whether it's to watch, whether it's to play or whatever, like, you know, I just want to get there. So I, um, yeah, I, I put all my effort into soccer till probably till about 16. And then I realized, I slowly realized and my dad, you know, probably helped me realize <laughs> that um, it wasn't such a great career Um kind of uh what's the word uh, yeah like prospect mm -hmm. um I got quite high we my under 18 team made it to the state final and we actually won that so oh wow um, That's awesome. yeah you can find some old pictures online of um I've, <laughs> I've done some intense google searching before um the I think it's 2005 champions of champions in New South Wales oh wow and um you can see my Gosford City 18 team there and that, that was as far as it went. Then um, I, I went to university and then kind of forgot about it for a little while. Okay. Um, started working, working shift work. I, I didn't really play as much as I wanted to, but I, I still had that love for it and I still do now. And, um, you know, I did get to the UK and I did get to watch um, a number of soccer games over there, um, much to my wife's protest. <laughs> did you have you... Um... Like my husband and I have been obsessed by the, the um, is it, I think it might be on Apple TV, the television show, um, what's it called? It's like an oh. American bloke who comes and coaches in, in England, um, but he's never yep. had anything to do with soccer. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, there's an amazing um, uh, Norwegian series as well on uh, SBS On Demand yeah. um, called Home Ground. Yeah. And it's one of the TV series I think I've ever seen because you get these Norwegian landscapes and it's about this uh, the first woman coach in this oh, Norwegian wow. league that's really male-dominated. And, yeah, it's an incredible series as well. And I I feel like um, it sl- came slightly before that American one. Yeah. And maybe they saw it. They tried to adapt it or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which one you're talking about. It looks really good, but I haven't, yeah, quite watched it yet. It's a comedy. It's quite funny. Um, I can't think what it's called. It's, but it's quite analogous of life. It's quite interesting just for that because it's, you know, but it's based around the soccer. And I now know more about that English soccer um, fraternity than I would have before. Like we all hear about the names and we, we kind of, you know, Tottenham Hotspurs and I don't know, Manchester and things. <laughs> we don't necessarily, if you're not following them, you don't, yeah. But now they kind of mean a bit more. That's weird. It's big, big business too. Like from the top to the bottom, there's, you know, so many divisions and so much money involved. And yeah, it's, it's really, um, it's incredible. And, you know, you, you go to the UK and this is what I miss um, sometimes being in Australia is that um, you open a newspaper and the first 10 pages, you know, in the back of the newspaper are just football or soccer, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's great. Yeah. What do you call it yourself? <laughs> Do you say soccer? Oh, I try to say football, but being in Tasmania, everyone thinks I'm talking about AFL, so mm-hmm. I just end up saying soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ted Lasso, I just remembered the name of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 I have seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, so when you were, what did you study at uni? Um, I studied um, health sciences to begin with mm-hmm. because I it, essentially like an arts degree in health. Um, I couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to do but my dad was a medical photographer and so I'd been experienced I'd been exposed to the kind of hospital environment and I knew I wanted something there um I was quite obsessed with you know health and I was thinking health promotion might be a good um good thing to do but um again career prospects I was a little bit concerned so I ended up um doing a master's degree in uh, diagnostic radiography Oh. And um, <laughs> it was essentially because I looked at it and I thought, you know what, I can travel with that. I can go to the UK. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I, I, did, I studied that. That was a two-year two degree at um, uh, University of Sydney. And then after that, I worked at Royal Nostril Hospital in uh, St. Leonard's for about three years and mm-hmm. then took the jump and um, moved overseas for a few years. Oh, wow. And how did that go? So that sounds like a medical photography type of thing, even though it's, um, you know, x-rays and things, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's kind of like a logical progression, isn't it? And, and I guess um, my dad's always been a, a huge kind of influence in my year and everything. So he probably encouraged me to, to go in that direction. And, you know, it's, it's an it's a interesting job and, a, and I enjoy it. So, yeah. Um, and it just seemed to fit. So, Yeah. Off I went. <laughs> how long were you um well while you were studying probably a question I often ask people who've been to uni is um what did you do for physical exercise while you were studying did you do any or were you just focused on getting those results so at that stage um I moved down from the central coast to Sydney mm-hmm. um and I was living with my grandmother and I didn't have a car and I didn't drive so Excellent. I would ride my bike to uni yeah and that was um 
from Greenacre to Lidcombe, which was about oh, six, six kilometres. So I'd cover like 12 k's on the bike um, each day that I was at uni. Yeah. And then um, I was trying to play soccer at the same time, but I had a few commitments and I couldn't really commit that much to soccer. Mm. Um, but I, I, I was trying. And then, yeah, I, that's probably when I, I did start running. Um, you know, it was just laps of an oval back then that, uh, you know, and I wasn't tying myself or anything, you know, or it was nothing serious. It was just, yeah, just that whole formative idea. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll start running just for fitness because, you know, you can kind of do it whenever and pick up and, you know, get as serious as you want to get with it. So do you feel like you made some choices to to stay fit? Because for some people, I mean, you would have seen it. We've all seen it. Um, in fact, I've probably been it from time to time. But you, the fitness thing, it's like the last thing on your mind as to what you need to do because there's so many other things going on in your life. And especially when you're young and you're, you move home to go to university and, and there's all these other things going on and it's so easy to, to let that slip. But obviously there was something in your mind that said, this is an important element and I do need to, to keep it up as much as I can to try and stay Yeah, it's, it's always been a massive, um, yeah, uh, element of mine. And I, I don't really understand why. I've just always known that I, I need to keep active to keep keep fit. And whether it's like a, you know, um, a, a body image kind of thing as well growing up, maybe it was, um, you know, I want to look as best as I can. You know, you tend to think more about that as a teenager than you do about the, the physical effects of, of exercise. Um, and yeah, um, it was just, yeah, always a huge thing. I always wanted to, to keep fit and I always had a, a, a high interest in, in, you know, health and exercise and, and yeah, it, it does have an, an incredible aspect on, on your mental health as well, which was, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, incredibly important, you know, yeah. Totally. Well, and as you would know, there's been a lot of studies done to say um, if you if you do things like go and do a bit of exercise before you study, it's actually really good, not just for your mental health, but for the clarity of thought. So you can study better. It makes you smarter. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you, I, I know that I needed that release as well. Um, living where I was and, and doing what I was doing, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, that stress release as well, just to, you know, you're sitting there trying to make your way through a 2,000-word essay and when you just look outside and, you know, you can go experience that and, and then come back and, you, yeah, you just feel fresher. I I'm often will solve problems, like even now, um, yeah. in my mind through a run. Like, you know, I've got so many things running through my mind, so many, you know, um, Tetris pieces you want to put together. And then, you know, you come back from a run and all of a sudden that's much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's proof right there that it works <laughs> for that clarity <laughs> of mind. Uh, so you went yeah. overseas. So you went, how long did you, were you overseas for? And were you just in England or did you move around a bit? Uh, so I, in, <laughs> um, in true fact, in true Ben fashion, I um I had ten jobs, I think it was, in three years, awesome. and so I just took locum jobs all over, and I didn't want to base myself anywhere, and I didn't want to be in London, yeah. so I literally the only time I saw London was um 
you know, the, the one day tourist kind of trip you, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we started in Bristol. I, I had, I met my um, then girlfriend at that stage, Janelle, and then um, we had a whirlwind romance and then decided to go to um, traveling together. So we um, started actually in Southeast Asia and tried to make our way overland to uh, the UK, <laughs> which was pretty stressful for a beginner beginning relationship yeah definitely and I think that's probably why we're still together now <laughs> um because we we've gone through yeah some pretty difficult um yeah. difficult moments traveling uh yeah we started in in Thailand and um you know plane train automobile kind of yeah. um through uh, Mongolia on the Trans-Siberian and um, got to Scandinavia with no money, which was horrible because everything is so expensive. And then finally got to the UK and needed to um, find a place very quick and start working very quickly because we had no money. Yeah. Um, so we settled in Bristol for six months. And um, Bristol's a beautiful city. Yeah. Um, it's a quite, quite a big uni town as well. And um, I worked at Southmead Hospital there for a while while um, Janelle didn't actually get a nursing registration. She's a nurse. Yeah. Um, so she was just picking up. Odd jobs. She's had she's had an amazing journey as well with um, some of the jobs she's had because I was able to just uh, work as a radiographer. But, yeah, I think Janelle worked at like a used car sales oh, wow. yard and um, she worked at Lush. Yeah, she worked um, as a, you know, refugee coordinator with the Red Cross. Yeah, she's had some amazing jobs. That is amazing. But, um, yeah, we based ourselves in, in Bristol for six months and then um, then we moved around. We went to Hull. Uh, we went to the Isle of Man. We worked in uh, Maidenhead yeah. uh, near London. Uh where else did we go? Um, near, up near Norwich. Um, I worked in Chelmsford. That was probably the closest to London I got. Mm-hmm. And um, then we, we became obsessed with Wales, actually. And um, if I'm ever talking about the UK, and anyone who knows me will know that I'm just obsessed with, like, Wales. And uh, we, we lived and worked in Wrexham and Pontypool for, um, for a considerable amount of time. And... Um, and yeah, I fell in love with the mountains over there, and and just oh. like um, the Welsh language and culture as well. It's just um, it was just second to um, nothing over there. It was just beautiful. Yeah. How did you fight? Because I spent a little bit of time when I was nineteen in the UK, um, and I worked in a pub, and <laughs> like most Aussies at my age did back then, and. Uh, but the people I couldn't understand who were from the United Kingdom were the Welsh. <laughs> Whenever they came into the bar, it was like, I can't understand you. So how did you find that? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there are some very, like, I find accents just amazing. Like, um, you can travel such a short distance and have such a different accent. And you do the same in Australia and, you know, it, there's next to nothing there. So, um, yeah, I, I just found it amazing. And I often got into trouble because I'm, I'm maybe a little bit, um, you know, uh, Australians' uh, humour is, you know, as you're probably aware, um, quite different to the British sense of humour. And so I often... Um, yeah, it was, was a bit too um, quick to, uh, you know, um, 
I thought I knew people before I actually did put it that way. And so I'd make jokes and carry on. And um, I, I often would um, uh, just kind of uh, imitate people's accents and things just because I loved them. It wasn't like, a, you know, I wasn't trying to be offensive or anything, but I just, yeah, I'd love them. And, uh, yeah, there was a couple of people I can remember just off the top of my head that have um, incredibly strong Welsh accents. And then um, words like... Uh, I mean, when we were in Bristol, you'd um, when you got off the bus, you'd always say, cheers, drive, to the bus driver. And the bus driver would always say, that's all right, my bugger. <laughs> you know, just like things like that. Um, and it makes your, your journey and, you know, being in a different country and being the only Australian in the village, so to speak, um, it makes your journey so much more memorable. So there's things that Janelle and I will often say to each other now and, um, you know, an outsider looking in will be like, what the hell are they talking about? You know, but yeah, it's just language is, a, is an amazing thing. It's so, yeah. We, um, we actually spent about six months at least house sitting with three of our children in the UK. We, we also went, did Asia and a bit of Europe in 2014 and 2015 and all of those accents in, in the UK. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> and it's it's a bit of a competition with, with myself now. Like um, if I hear an accent, and there's quite a few, you know, people from the UK in Tasmania. And so through my work, if I hear an accent, I'll try and guess where they're from. And um, yeah, I, I, I reckon I do pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you come back to Australia? Um, oh, Janelle. Um, yeah, um, she didn't want to stay in the UK. I, I could have happily stayed for, for a lot longer. That's and um, I'd, I'd like to go back um, eventually. I've got, a, I've got actually some running goals in the UK that I'd like to conquer. Um, there's a, a huge race called the Dragon's Back um, that goes through the centre of Wales from the north to the south. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, stage race over a number of days. And it, it just, it's always sitting there in the back of my mind, particularly when I'm injured. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny how that happened. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we, uh, we came back after three years and um, Janelle had had enough. I'm sorry. Sorry, Janelle. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and we came back. But we had to settle. So I wouldn't settle for just living in Sydney. I didn't want to go back to, like, I'm not a fan of the heat and the warmth. Mm -hmm. So I was literally trying to pick the coldest place in Australia. And I'd been to Tasmania as a 15 or 16-year-old and um, remembered some pretty incredible places. So, yeah, we decided to move to Tassie. Oh, wow. How long ago was that? Um, so that was 2018, I think. Okay. Yeah, so we, we moved over 2015. And then, yeah, 2018, we came down to Tassie. We weren't supposed to be in Launceston. Um, we came down here actually for for the Tassie Trail Fest uh, when it was out of Derby. Yep. And uh, I, we were running there and we had probably oh, three hours in Launceston. Mm-hmm. And uh, Janelle's father is a banker and he sent us this property and in Invermay and it was just, um, you know, there were no photos of the interior of the house, but Neil, Janelle's dad said, you need to go look at this property when you're in Launceston. So we went and had a look at it 
um, put her off a, on then and there. And um, yeah, got it. And then a job came up down in Launceston and I applied for it and I got that. So yeah, it was, um, it was happening. And Meant to be. Down. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So does um, Janelle runs as well? Uh, yeah, I make her run. I oh, think he's nice. the... I'm, I make Simon <laughs> run too, so it's okay. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it, it's not her favourite activity, but, um, yeah, she she's actually been able to achieve some amazing things through it as well. She did a first marathon a couple of years ago. Oh, wow, that's pretty good for someone yeah. who's not her favourite activity. And particularly for someone who... Um, Oh, has a bit of an allergy to training <laughs> so yeah she um pretty much did a marathon on the back of no training and wow. it was hard and it was uncomfortable and I had to pack a bag of um delightful delicious treats that would keep her going but she did it and it was an amazing um experience and her, her mom was so proud of her when when she finished it was yeah it was pretty incredible to to watch yeah that's awesome. So did you guys, yeah. when you were when you were overseas, did you run then as well? Um, yeah, I, I probably started running a lot more. Um, oh, well, I did my first marathon in 2015, I think it was, or 2014. And then um, I actually got really ill oh. because I, I developed runner's knee. Um, and then I decided that I, I didn't want to let this place in the Blackmoors Sydney marathon go so I decided to do it anyway and mm -hmm. I pushed myself way too hard and I got really really sick after oh. um, so I actually gave up running for a little while after that I didn't do another marathon until we were in the UK um, and it was the Stroud Trail Marathon mm -hmm. and I was terrified absolutely terrified that things were going to go the same way and I'd end up in hospital again because I was actually you know I think it was three days after the marathon in Sydney I actually had to go to hospital because I just couldn't keep anything down oh, wow. um, so yeah we we were in um, Stroud in the um, Cotswolds mm -hmm. and uh, yeah there was a trail marathon on there and I, I did that and um, yeah it, it kind of blossomed from there because I, I didn't, I felt really good during that. I'd managed to train and um, that rest had kind of um, cured my runner's knee, but also I, I decided to take on a fair few miles on, um, on trails rather than road because I just found the repetitive nature of road running um, just more conducive to injury. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the, the trails kind of helped me. And then um yeah, I, I haven't had a problem with um, runner's knee since, but um, I'm kind of, I'm always, yeah, thinking that it's going to come back just whenever I do sustained amounts of road running. Yeah, so you think that's what caused it, the, you know, repetitive I reckon, road running? Yeah, yeah I, I'd essentially run um, like probably three times a week, um, about, you know, 20 plus Ks just on the road. And mm -hmm. it would just... Um, it kind of wrecked me, yeah. And that was, yeah, 20, 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. And then after the bad marathon experience, I, I hated running, you know. I didn't want to go back to that. Oh, wow. Um, just play soccer again, you know. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then the Stroud Trail Marathon happened. And, um, yeah, I, I slowly picked it up again. And um, I fell in love with uh, fell running, actually, in the UK. Um, 
it's this insane sport where you just run up a hill and then down the other side. But the courses aren't really marked, um, so there's a lot of um, locals that will win races. You know, it's kind of handicapped to, towards local runners. And um, it, it hasn't changed in about 50 years. You know, there's still um, old guys in singlets and shorts without all these, you know, fancy sports watches and everything um, just running up mountains. And it was just like kind of my jam. I just loved it. Oh, wow. And so I did my first um, bell run in, on the Isle of Man, actually, in Douglas. And I, I wore, I was an idiot. I wore road shoes and um, I was the first up the hill. I remember distinctly, I was one of the first up the hill and then coming back down, I ended up coming about 20th or, you know, 25th or something because these people just running down hills. I always, um, I compare it to zombies. You know, when you watch like a zombie apocalypse movie and you just yeah. see people like the zombies just all over and then get back up and struggle about yeah it was just like watching that it was carnage people just falling down hills jumping over barbed wire fences and oh, falling wow. over and then getting back up and and so yeah i i was hooked after that because um it was it was amazing to watch because <laughs> it's like a running zombie <laughs> yeah well i thought like i had never seen anyone run down a hill that fast you know, when it's kind of brutal underfoot and, you know, any step could be an injury, particularly as a radiographer, I see broken ankles everywhere, of you know, course. so <laughs> it kind of limits me a bit. But, um, yeah, with reckless abandon, it was just, it was, it was, it's almost beautiful to watch. Like, you know, someone that can run that fast down a hill and not hurt themselves. <laughs> you wanted a bit of that. <laughs> you keep doing that. Yeah. And, and also that, I mean, the mountain scenery, there's, like I often tell people, well, why would you run on a road when you can run up a mountain and see the sights from that mountain, you know, listen to the sounds like, um, yeah, smell the smells of, you know, wet grass and, you know, mountain air. And, oh. and then, um, yeah, you just feel so much better for it when you get down, you know, if you get down, if you don't break your ankle. <laughs> so do, do you find you're quite goal driven for your running? Like, do you have like an event in that sits out there? You always have an event that you're training towards or how does that work for you? Um, I'm actually the laughing stock of, um, of a few of my friends because um, I train through events. I, 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 I have a really, yeah, love hate relationship with training. Um, Just like to So know. I'll, um, <laughs> yeah yeah I um, I kind of to to push myself to do something I'll have to run a lot of events because I just find that it kind of makes me do it knowing that I've you know uh, whether it's I've shelled out the money for it or you know I've already swapped shifts or something so I can do it it's just mm -hmm. like there I mean I, I will train um, but I don't tend to wear a watch I don't like to to analyze running too much I think um yeah, it's better to just feel your body and, and just feel what's around you rather than trying to achieve goals through electronics and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I like I, I, yeah, I, I tend to just try. Yeah, well, I think it's um, it's hard to do in these days. I mean, it's probably the only time I get away from, you know, technology mm. is when I'm out running and, that, and that's the way I like it, yeah. Do you, do you ever listen to anything? Or you yeah, don't sometimes I'll just 
the podcasts and um and 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 music i'm a huge like i've always been a massive music fan as well i've played guitar from a young age and um awesome. so yeah i um yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of music but um in terms of podcasts and stuff there um we actually uh went to south america a few years ago um because oh, it's kind of like a, a back there's a bit of a backstory to this so um i'm obsessed as well with uh like using running to as a vehicle for change yep so i in terms of you know when, when you go to buy running clothing or something i'll tend to look up um brands or you know manufacturers who who contribute to things with their clothing um and so i came across this uh brand called janji mm -hmm. which is produced in america and they um at that stage were donating i think 10 percent of their um profits to um like water projects over the world oh wow and so um, I kind of, yeah, became obsessed with them. And then, um, you know, I managed to get to know some of the owners and then um, they were partnered with an organisation called IRA Libre, um, which was founded in Mexico. And um, their whole uh, um, kind of motto is to, you know, um, yeah, yeah, understand the world and the earth and connect to the world and the earth through running. Um, so yeah, with all this, um, Janelle and I went to South America and actually did a running tour, um, through, uh, where was it? Bolivia in the like kind of Bolivian yeah, wilderness. And, oh, wow. um, we met That's some amazing people, including the, yeah, including the, um, the owner of this company, Janji. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, um, it's, it's been a, a pretty awesome ride but um yeah it was it was really interesting for me to to learn about uh you know through this company ira libre and and um the local people in um in bolivia and you know it was uh, yeah trying to kind of achieve something through clothing rather than just buying like you know your nikes your adidas who you know, maybe don't have such a um a, a nice track record yeah, such a social license almost yeah yeah it was um it's amazing and so yeah I, I I've kind of stick with that and I, I still like keep in touch with people from Janji or, or Ira Libre um you know uh when we actually a couple of years ago um I was the one of the founders of the company contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do a running experience in Launceston oh wow. so I um yeah, we organised a um, a bit of a, a tour, um, which uh, I think we had about ten or twelve people take part, which was amazing. And we uh, we did a bit of a, a meditation session in City Park, and then ran up through the gorge. And um, uh, I think Jeff from uh, Wallaby Walkabout Tours gave us a welcome to country up there and taught us about you know indigenous heritage in the gorge and um yeah yeah it was it was great we learned a bit about Launceston the whole idea that I was trying to plot the old tram line through yeah. town as well yeah so we uh, ran the old tram line and uh, learned about the you know architecture and then you know came back through after the gorge through seaport and learned about you know the history of the dock there and everything and 
yeah, it was um, it was it was my first kind of experience in in hosting a a, a tour, and um, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. And we we only did the one; it was just like an experience, like a taster kind of tour of Launceston. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and um, I hope the people that did it had a good time because yeah, it was um, wow. it was good to host it. That's really fascinating. It's a shame that you've only done one, mind you. You could always say because of COVID, but now COVID's almost, um, well, I don't know if it'll be gone, but um, you, you'll be able to, we're like, what is it, the 15th of December? You should, if I'd known about that, I would have come on that. I somehow missed that in my um, fingers in all the pies. I don't have that many fingers. No, in fair pies. enough. I think um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's difficult to to find, actually find out what's going on because there's so many different um, streams of media, social media and and um and connectivity now that um yeah you can miss out on on some great events and yeah until it's too late you know like what that's why you need to do it again there you go (laughs) (laughs) that sounds awesome i'm so envious it sounds like something i would have loved to have done that yeah anyway i particularly like the um like the meditation in the park and stuff as well before like a lot of a lot of things i'm developing are to do with mindful movement so even so being uh, mindful in a moment not just when you're still although that's good for practice but also when we're moving so when we're running or walking having those mindful moments I think is um, really important definitely and I I think there was a also a bit on that on that experience for everybody because you know it wasn't just you know go for a 10k run and slog it out try and run as fast as you can it was more like you know here is the history of Launceston here is, you know, um, we're going to connect with with City Park in a in a meaningful way. We're going to run up through the gorge and we're going to un- understand more about the gorge. And then we're going to come back and understand more about Launceston. And then, you know, we ended up um, sitting there and, and having drinks and nibbles after and just having a chat about it. And yeah, I think everyone learns something. And I think that's important. Uh, I don't think... Um, I think running should be for, you know, everybody and it should encompass a lot of different ideals and, and mm. yeah, understandings rather than just, you know, um, the, the first three, the, the first three winners getting yeah. getting prizes, you know, and that's easy for me to say because I'm always in the first three, first three but um, <laughs> <all> right, <laughs> like, yeah, for, for a, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think there's, there's a, a lot, uh, maybe historically too much emphasis placed on, you know, people who are considered good at running as being the the people who are you know, winning races or, you know. Yeah. yeah. It can do a lot more for, yeah. I think um, me, I've always been sort of a middle of the pack unless there's not many people in the race and then I do all right, or I used to. <laughs> Pretty much the middle of the pack. So, um, and I noticed that, like, having run now since my mid-20s, so most of my life, including my childhood, but um, there is when I went to big races, I had I often had that feeling, especially once I started getting into an understanding and talking to the organisers a lot more in other roles, that it did feel more that they were there for the the fast runners, the elite runners were the ones who got you know the even though they tried to recognise, I think depending on the organisers, they do try and recognise some of the the rest of the the pack, if you, if you know what yeah. I mean. Um, but I mean, it's historically been, if prestige-wise, if they can 
get some more elite runners along, then they get more media or they get more. It just needs to be clever market, cleverer marketing, perhaps, where there's more stories mm-hmm. focused on the back of the pack people and what they've mm-hmm. gone through and the journey to get there. And I think that would then attract even more people to start running because they're not just thinking I'll never be able to run as fast as the Benjis of the world. But hey, <laughs> you know, that person who had that story, I can relate to that and maybe I could be a runner. Definitely. And you look at the popularity of running and, and particularly trail running, it's just getting getting massive. And I think the more that you can incorporate, like, you know, different people, the more that running can be used as a, as a vehicle for, for change to, you know, um, empower our populations to get healthier and active and, yeah, and have, you know, better mental health and, you know, all the outcomes that happen when you, you know, go for something as simple as, you know, a, a run and use your legs a bit, you know, it's great. So I'm obvi- I don't even need to ask the question, which I usually ask, which is where do you prefer to run on the road or the trails? I think I, we already know that. Um, so do you do your training on the trails as well, mostly? Yeah. Um, the only problem I have is, is finding a good pair of shoes that can get you to the trails. Cause you often will get some pretty hardcore trail shoes that, um, you know, you can only really use on the trails and they kind of hurt on pavement, but I, I, I don't like to drive places to go for a run. So I'll run from my door mm-hmm. to, I've got a bit of an environmental um, conscience as well. So I, I try to, you know, minimize my impact, whatever I'm doing. And um, yeah, so I, I like to run to the trails. So yeah, mo- most of my, I mean, recently, most of my running has been on roads. I saw a bit <laughs> um, contrary to what I, what I, you know, it's not, not practicing what I preach. Um, I, yeah, no, no, I, I much prefer the trails. And um, yeah, there's some pretty amazing trails in and around Launceston that, um, that offer that kind of, you know, um, stoke to be able to, yeah, you know, run up the gorge or something. It's just one of the, like, Launceston's very lucky and it's a special place to to have something like that so close to town. No, there's not a lot of cities in Australia, if not the world, that can boast that, you know. So close. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was Duck Reach this morning, Friday's Duck Reach morning. <laughs> so we uh, run through the gorge to Duck Reach and back every Friday morning. Well, that- Hill at the backside of Duck Reach, you know, when you go up from the power station, that's um, that's a killer. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, you know, that's it just, um, it, <laughs> oh, but you know, it does you good when you get up there. You're like, oh, I'm going to be fitter for this tomorrow. Yeah. We often have this conversation <laughs> that we should um, petition the council to put a bubbler up there because we uh, often do it when you know, we don't do it quite so much in winter because on that side because it gets a bit muddy and stuff. So it's always hot often when we do that. We were like, they should have a bubbler up there so that we can all have some water when we get to the top of these stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely seems like a good idea. Yeah, I think everyone will join that petition. <laughs> yeah. It's like a perfect place. Like the whole, that whole environment there is to, you know, provide water <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and power to our region. So you think it wouldn't be that much to put a bubbler up there. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, okay, so you need you do you you have said that in order to train consistently, you do need to have something that you're aiming for. What are you aiming for at the moment? What kind of what race goals do you have? So I um I had 
little kilometers in my legs when I decided to sign up for the Cradle Mountain Run. So I'm, I'm doing that in February. So I, yeah, I have to up my mileage <laughs> considerably. Um, I'm, I'm actually doing the triple top mountain run this weekend, mm -hmm. but I'm also working. Yeah. It's one of the greatest runs I think I've ever witnessed in, in Australia. It's an incredible event. Um, yeah. I, I love the runs where you can almost kill yourself. They're great. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did it a couple of years ago like I've done it four or five times but more recently a couple of years ago and the scree coming down for whatever reason on that day I had zero fear and it was just like controlled falling I yes. just I went very very fast down there I can't I still can't explain to you it sounded like that um the carnage that you witnessed in the fell running that's what I felt like could happen any second but it didn't I survived and <laughs> didn't break oh. anything and I went very fast I it's a funny story because every time I do triple top, I seem to be working um, on the same day. So there's been the last two times I've done it now, um, I've had to then race back to Launceston to go to work. And um, the last two times I've done it, I've actually x-rayed people from the run itself. No. <laughs> so, you know, not so lucky in getting down that, that scree slope. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, I actually... I, um, I'm, I'm working this weekend um, until 1am on both Saturday and Sunday. So I, um, I'm going <laughs> to drive out after work on Saturday, oh. um, sleep in the car, and then um, I'll drive back after the um, run and, and go straight to work again. So, so here's a question but, you know, for you. Um, You're young. How do you, how do you get the energy to do that? Like just... Like I'm in well, my 50s and the idea of doing that, I just can't even imagine it. Like I was thinking if I was going to do that this weekend, I probably wouldn't do anything on Saturday, let alone what you just described. Well, it's got to come from love, right? And I keep telling myself I love it, even when I'm maybe, you know, in an uncomfortable, gross position in the car where, you know, it's not going to do my back any good moving forward. But um yeah, I, I think it's just love and 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 just knowing that, um, I mean, I, I've had a few struggles with, with mental health as well. So, and I know that I'm a much better person for myself and for everybody around me when I try to do the things I love. And um, I know that going out and, and maybe, maybe it's really painful maybe I don't achieve the time I want to do but um, I know that I'm going to be better for doing triple top mentally um, than I would if I missed out you know okay. so I think um, yeah even if it's um, going to be very uncomfortable and sometimes it is um, particularly when you train through events <laughs> um, yeah but I, I don't think I, I, I don't have anything else at the moment that I um that I love as much as, yeah, just getting out in the wilderness and, and, and you know, yeah, had, being um, there. So many years ago, one of the times that I did triple top, I was, I was in my forties then. So I was quite young and uh, <laughs> with, um, I were on the bus and we were talking to um, a couple of blokes who were um, coming, you know, joining us. So we we're going to the start of the run. For those of you who don't know, you get bus to the start and then you run back to where your car is at the other end. Uh, up three mountains hence triple um and it's only like it's not even 21 but kilometers but it's certainly 
feels more like a marathon than I'm into it. Anyway, these blokes were um we're chatting to them and they they were on their football um if you can remember pre-covid uh people who had their like end of season football uh, uh, holiday thing so they were from somewhere in victoria and they were here and they'd been at the casino all night they still hadn't slept it was the days when you could enter the triple top in, on the day in the morning they'd somehow come across it i don't know maybe in the newspaper or something that it was on so they'd driven from the casino where they hadn't slept and been drinking all night. And actually, frankly, they smelt of alcohol. <laughs> they were on the bus and then they took off. And I don't think I saw them again. So I'm sure they did fine. But it's that young, like yeah. young people seem to be able to do a lot more. You know, they just have mm. a lot more energy. And especially if you're already quite fit. So that lack yeah. of sleep for a little while, you can actually... Um, achieve things even though for me the lack of sleep would be debilitating <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that's a thing yeah being being younger and um yeah you can kind of um, get away with a, a couple nights without sleep but the longer that goes on I mean yeah. Yeah, it has like a pretty drastic health you know effects if you you know continuously yeah. don't get the, the an, enough sleep but it's yeah yeah I've I, <laughs> I've um yeah, had some pretty horrendous sleeps in, you know, cramped cars or horrendous places or not slept quite much at all and then still gone out at a, and had a reasonable run the next day. Yeah. In saying but, that, um, I can't yeah. sleep before a marathon. Like I've done a number of them now and a couple of ultras and I'm really, I get very anxious before and I don't <laughs> sleep very well. So there does seem to be that period just before, you know, within 24, 48 hours that you can have, not that much sleep and it doesn't really affect your performance I don't think on race day but it's mm. yeah anyway recovery is perhaps <laughs> harder <laughs> well you feel so much better after it and then you'll sleep so much better as well I reckon if you're exhausted so <laughs> yeah that's true you sleep like a baby <laughs> <laughs> so Ben tell me can you remember or when you first called yourself a runner uh, hmm. I guess um, it was somewhere in the UK. Yeah, I, it, it would be um, and often like if I was working in smaller places, and I would I'd often more often than not get to work via running. Mm -hmm. And as soon as people identify you, yeah. and then see you around. Oh, that's you know that's the guy with hair that runs, yeah. Or oh, that's the guy with the dog. People are um, always coming to work here, and they're like, "I think I saw you with a kelpie." I was like, "Oh yeah, that, that was probably me." <laughs> but yeah, I think um, um, maybe other people identified me as a runner before I necessarily did because I was probably trying to hold on to those, you know, I'm going to play for the Socceroos. <laughs> you know, I'm still got that soccer dream. Yeah. That um, yeah. I think, yeah, once people start seeing you as a runner, then it probably just becomes, yeah, oh, yeah, I do run quite a bit, actually. And then you start to realise yourself. And um, I actually, um, you know, blatant self-promotion here. I wrote an article for, um, uh, there's an amazing magazine called Like the Wind, which yeah. is all about, um, you know, running and runners. It's stories from runners. And, um, you know, whether they're front of the pack, back of the pack, middle of the pack. And it's, it's a really, really nice magazine. And so I, I decided um, after 
spending a bit of time in Wales that I'd, I'd pen a bit of um, an article and I, I sent it through to Like the Wind and they accepted it and it was in one of their um, one of their issues. Yeah, and so it was all about running in Wales and that's probably when I, I decided that I love running and um, I think Wales did it for me, those kind of uh, fell runs in Wales. And, uh, yeah, and I just wrote. And I, I still, like, think about it a lot now because I would go out, I'd leave work and, and I, I probably couldn't do this now um just because I, I don't have that um stoke factor that i used to but um i i used to leave work at five o'clock and then i'd run for four hours um and then get home at nine and, and janelle would be sitting at home you know dinner's cold and she's where the hell have you been kind of thing you know? and i was like i don't know i took a, a like a goat track up the hill and but that was it you know <laughs> But yeah, um, and I, I think I'm, I'm probably more a runner now than I am a soccer player. Um, but I, I still, yeah, I still play a bit of soccer. And um, yeah, but running's definitely, um, when, when you're a shift worker too, I think it's probably the, the easiest way to, to get fit and keep fit. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to be in the team thing, isn't it, um, if you're a shift worker? Mm. So when you say you play soccer now, do you play in a like a local league a little bit? Or oh boy, do I play in a local league? Yep, we. Um, <laughs> I, this year I played for the uh, the North Launceston Eagles um, Social Sunday team. Um, I maybe took um, social a little bit too seriously. Anyone who's played against me um, and is listening to this, I apologise. <laughs> um, we pretty much lost every game and by you know sometimes kind of cricket scores um, but we did win one and that was amazing it was it was an incredible team because we had people that didn't play soccer before or um we were, i think we were the only team to have some um women oh, and uh yeah uh yeah so we won uh one game and it was um a good experience and i made some great friends through it and so we um entered a team in the um, there's a seven-a-side comp in Lonnie going on at the moment. So, and then you know we we started a futsal team. So it's yeah, it's created some um, some some long-lasting friendships as well. Yeah. I have um when my son Ben he plays futsal on Sundays. Ah, you might come across. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he doesn't for his sake. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's always the, he's always the goalie. So he, he oh, okay. Goalie. Yeah. Oh, he's got um, no worries then because I can't shoot to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> but anyway, back to identity. One of the reasons we talk about it a little bit is it is interesting that whether our identity you um, highlighted it, you felt like it almost came from outside, like people had to identify you a certain way before you could take that on as your identity, which is kind of interesting mm -hmm. in itself. Some people say it's not till I've run a race, then I felt like I was... A runner you know that everybody has a different story for for it however when we then have some kind of incident like you talked about before and and you can't run although it sounds like you identified with the runner after your you know when you gave up running for a little while because um of your runner's knee um what do you do so can you imagine now now that you're so entrenched in running how you would feel or how what how you'll deal with it if you can't run for some reason for a period of time, like yeah, I've always I've always been concerned because um, mm. 
I know that, you know, I am getting older and, and at one point, you know, I, I won't achieve, you know, I, you, you're constantly trying to improve, right? And it, there'll, there'll be a plateau and then it'll start going backwards. And so I think that's why I, I try to maybe um, look at other things through running. So um, I don't know if you're aware, but um, I'll train and, and find your feet run the, um, do a bit, I was starting to do a bit of plogging um, once a month. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did that. Uh, I, I did that with them in uh, the beginning of October, I think it was. And um, yeah, that was a good experience. And it was, um, yeah, like, again, trying to action change through running. And, you know, if you're running for a cause, then it makes it a lot more easier so, so the, the uh, old train yeah, guys, I, I, what does that look like? What does that look like? What did, what did you do? I didn't quite get it. Yeah, so, so plogging is um, essentially, it's a, I think it's a Swedish term um, okay. for like plock, plocker up, which is like, you know, picking up. And um, so you essentially run and you pick up rubbish oh, cool. along the way. And it, it actually becomes quite addictive and you realise how much there is. Mm. Um, yeah, so... I think the run that we did with old train, it was, uh, it was more picking up rubbish than running. <laughs> yeah. You'd kind of get, yeah. Off on a side note, we went up near um, uh, Riverside on the, on the trails there. And yeah, yeah. yeah there, was, there was quite a bit of rubbish mm. that uh, I think we pulled out eight, eight bags full of, oh, wow. of junk. Yeah. Out of there. And, yeah. But um, the, again, the it's, it's just, mm. yeah. Yeah. Cattle, uh, there's a lot of rubbish on the beaches. There were one or two brave, um, brave guys there who almost, you know, went headfirst into the mud to, to pick up some, um, you know, whether they, I think there was a thong and oh, some wow. um, old boating gear and stuff. Yeah. So, oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, and I, I love that idea of leaving a place a little bit better than.